The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome, guys. Welcome to the Blue Stable podcast on YouTube. We are live on YouTube right now. Thank you to everybody who is joining, whether if it's on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Make sure you are liking and subscribing for any more Colts content. Speaking of Colts content, we have one of the best uh, in the industry joining us today. As you have been following, whether it was yesterday, earlier today, you knew about James Boyd from The Athletic joining here before we get to him because you can see him on screen there looking great as always all right we got to get to marcus and landon real quick guys how y'all doing feeling great man you know uh you know it's a nice day outside over here feeling good you know cold season almost among us so, uh, almost preseason training camp you know it's a good time to be a coast fan and it's good to have my guy james with us man so yeah, he's right, man. 113 days exactly until the season starts. If if you want to know my thoughts on it, I'm jonesing pretty hard right now for some football. But you know, OTA start next week. Pretty excited to hopefully get some more training camp coverage or just you know, any coverage of Anthony Richardson. You know, we're all wanting that right now. But everything's going good. Happy to be here. Thanks to James for joining us. Ready to get started. Speaking of James, man, uh first I just have to say welcome to the Blue Stable. This is your debut, your first time, hopefully your first of many. Uh, but but I don't know if you're going to have time. You're making big moves all of a sudden, man. You're, you're the man on campus now. How how you feeling? I feel good. Um, obviously, it's really cool to see Zach Kiefer, my buddy, go on to become a national reporter at The Athletic, which subsequently moved me up the ladder. And now I'm the lead Colts reporter, along with Bob Kravitz, our columnist. So I'm excited about it. Going into year two, I feel like year one, with all the ups and downs, twists and turns, if you're going to learn from any season, that was the one to learn from. So I'm excited about what's next. And obviously, like you three and everyone else out there in Colts land, Anthony Richardson is here. So that alone excites me for the season. There you go. There you go. And once again, shout out to Zach Kiefer. He's covered the Colts for nine years, done such a great job. He and Steven Holder were such a good pairing. Then with him and you, James, I mean, that was such a good show. They 
Zach's doing a great job. Thank you for all you've done uh, for Colts fans, especially guys like us who kept us informed so much. Done such great work, great articles all the time. So thank you again. But let's go ahead and get started, guys. We got some things to talk about with the draft, with Anthony Richardson. The schedule came out last week. We're going to get into some record predictions with you, James. But before we do that, we got to talk about the new guy in town, right? The the, the new man, the, the hype man here, Anthony Richardson, coming in from Florida Gainesville, chomp, chomp. There you go. Your thoughts on Anthony Richardson and how you felt about him leading up to the draft? I think it's very exciting. I thought of when we were down at the Senior Bowl, you know, with the, kicking it with these guys and we're going through the scenarios and saying, who do we like? You know, who who you think the Colts roll the dice on and to see them choose Anthony Richardson to hear that it was Shane Steichen who really pushed for him, according to Jim Irsay, and to have it all come to fruition is pretty exciting. And then I don't know if I believe Irsay when he says, like, you know, if he had number one pick, we would have took him anyways. And I'm like, I don't know about that. But I do think they feel really good about not having to give up any draft capital, stay where they were, got their guy, and someone who, if he hits his ceiling, could be really great for the franchise and one of the best players in the league. So I'm excited about that. Obviously, there was some uh, awkwardness there when he walked in the room, and I have to tell him, hey, I was the guy who asked you about being labeled a project quarterback. And, um, you know, he remembered me, so I don't know if that's good or bad, but uh, jokes aside, it was fun. I think that he has a great head on his shoulders. He's very humble. I actually have a piece coming out about that and just my whole view of things, and so I'll be excited about that to get that up sometime this weekend. But, um, you know, he is a dude. Seeing him at rookie minicamp, I could see some of the flashes that, you know, entice you and bring you in. You see some of the flaws as well, missing some throws here or there. But I think with his mindset and the maturity that he's displayed so far, you have to feel really good if you're a Colts fan or any, anyone really affiliated with the Colts because he seems to get it right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And something too, like, because – it's different whenever you see guys throw live in person as opposed to just seeing it on a TV. And I know like whenever, like, like you said, we were down at the senior bowl and we were watching those quarterbacks and it was like, man, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but whenever you see a guy like Anthony Richardson throw live, which you were there at, you know, the rookie mini camp, what, like, what did you take away from something like that? Where you like, we've all seen the highlights on TV. We've all seen the big arm at the pro days and all that. I think, for me, it's – I don't want to say he's not trying because he does try very hard, but it's just the nonchalantness of it all. Like, he'll be off to the side sometimes, and they'll be doing regular throws, and there's three quarterbacks there, you know, two guys who they might have brought in for a rookie tryout or something, just have some bodies, and those two guys go, and he goes, and it just looks different. And to him, it's nothing because he's done it his entire life. But to me, I'm like, wait a second, like the velocity, the uh, quickness, the fluidity of his throwing motion, and then also his legs. So I wrote about this in a piece I did during the rookie minicamp where they had him doing some like RPO type of actions and bootleg actions where, they, you know, just not even throwing the ball, just doing the action and then tucking it in and running. And when it was his turn, the gear he could get to like effortlessly was ridiculous. And I'm like, this could be the most boring thing 
to maybe like an average football fan, but to us who, you know, study this for a living or, or try to, I was thinking that's different. You don't see that every day. And so when you are an athlete who makes other athletes who are the best in the world, by the way, look unathletic, it's crazy. And I get it. It's rookie minicamp, but I saw it at the combine in person. I saw it up close to rookie minicamp and physically there's just stuff that he does. And then he'll just like walk off like it's nothing. And I'm like, dude, you were made in a lab. And I know uh, Morocco Brown, one of the uh, Colts' area scouts, and he was saying, you know, he got sprinkled with like stardust. And it sounds crazy to say it. It sounds so cliche. But then when you see it, you're like, okay, all the hyperboles are not really that exaggerated. He really is that gifted of an athlete. And so if he, if, if he ever gets it to catch up, like just mentally, the way he thinks about the game, the mechanics, the footwork, stuff like that, that has to be cleaned up. If that clicks, you just wonder what you have on your hands because physically he can do anything with ease. I'm excited for the process, man. I, I really am. And, you know, it's the development thing that excites me because we know he's going to have some rough patches for sure. Uh, but but the way his talent is and the way he designed how athletic he is, I, I mention this all the time, he's going to be something totally different from what Colt fans are used to seeing. You know, the, the the Carson Wentz's of the world, the Matt Ryan's, the Phillip Rivers. We're about to get somebody that's going to be mobile. And this is something that's going to be game changing. And Colts fans are not going to know how to react when they see something like this. And I'm just I'm just a fan of it for sure. Everyone talks about Cam Newton and comparing them to that. But the fact that we got somebody that can make something out of nothing, it's just going to be a joy to watch. And I'm excited to see how that's going to play out. Yeah. So I actually asked. Jim Bob Cooter about that. And I was like, hey, how much do legs matter when you are, you know, scheming as a defense and then vice versa as an offense? And Shane Sykin alluded to it as well. It's like you always want someone who can make the play that you haven't drawn up. That just changes things immensely. I mean, you look at the top of the top guys, obviously Patrick Mahomes, some of those plays that he makes that we see on Sports Center are not drawn up. It's just him improvising and being better than everyone else at football. And so when you have someone who can extend plays, who can, you know, bail you out sometimes if, if your protection isn't great, and then also who can hand it off to a guy in the backfield who's still one of the best in the league, kind of forget about that, that to me gives you a lot of excitement and hope for your offense and for your future. And I tell everyone out there listening, look at what, Shane Steichen did with Jalen Hurts his first season in 2021. I think that's the season that you should really look at and say, okay, he wasn't the best thrower then, maybe the best reader of offenses, and he certainly wasn't a top five quarterback like he is now. But he did enough for him to be success to be successful, and they made the playoffs. Now I'm not saying the Colts are going to make the playoffs. AR is going to come out and have this great you know rookie season, but it gives you um, sort of like the blueprint of how to bring him along make him feel comfortable, and obviously, hopefully, see him take that jump as he continues to get more experience. And this is what I want to ask you real quick, James, uh, before we keep on going with, with AR, about Shane Steichen, okay? Like with Frank Reich, he was heavily involved with the offense. He was calling plays. He was over the meetings and all that stuff in preparation. With Shane Steichen, he has guys who have dealt with this kind of quarterback before, Jim Bob Cooter, Cam Turner. It's really going to fall on those guys, and how they develop him. Is Shane Steichen going to be the type of coach that, you know, is just going to sit back and let his coaches do their thing? Or is he going to have his hand in the cookie jar 
as well. Oh, the hand will be there. Absolutely. I think that that is a good thing, though. I think that everyone's on the same page. But again, they brought him in because of what he's done with quarterbacks. He was the one who sat down in Jim Irsay's office when Jim Irsay asked him, hey, why are we even considering this guy? He hasn't played. His completion percentage is 53.8. It's not that great. Why do you think that he can be a franchise guy? And it was Shane Steichen who was saying, if you bring him to me, I can make him into a franchise quarterback. So I'm sure he's going to have to be heavily involved in his development. And I think one thing he alluded to, um, and, Ed, and Ed Dodds, the one of the lead, uh, the assistant general manager for the Colts as well, he mentioned that when he asked AR about some of the issues with his throwing in college and sometimes just missing flat out throws, just ones where you're not getting pressured and you just miss. And he was saying it's because he's got so many people in his ear telling him, do this, do that, uh, fix this, fix that. And so if they can just get one like unified voice behind this kid, I think that can go a long way because, you know, everyone always has an idea or a twist or something to put on, you know, their quarterback or their scheme. But if they can all get on the same page and make sure that what they're telling him isn't contradictory towards one another, then he'll be okay. And I think that what I really want to hammer home and I'll dig into as the season goes on, we see some success, some failures, whatever, is how much Anthony Richardson learns the game, loves the game, and is a student of the game. Because I think that, again, when I brag, so to speak, about his athleticism, you can kind of discredit how much work it took to become a top five pick in the draft. Now I get it. A lot of it was built off of his physical traits, but so far you can't, you can't tell me that kid doesn't care. He doesn't study the game or that he's just going out there willy nilly, you know, and just being the best athlete. Like, no, he cares about being the best player. And obviously to do that, you got to have the athleticism and the smarts and things that come with that. And real quick, before we move on uh, to, to the schedule here, I want to ask you because uh, this is a question that's going to be talked about for the next few months, getting into training camp, even getting into the preseason. And and I'll give my thoughts on this here in a little bit. Should Anthony Richardson start day one? No, no okay, sit behind Gardner Minshew for a few games and then we'll start you or whatever. Me personally, you start him day one. Like stop, stop kicking the can more down the road than you already have. Start the kid. I know there's been talks. And I know Landon has even alluded to this. I think we talked about it last week about starting him too early. It can hurt him. Me personally, and I can be 100% wrong and out of touch on this. Me personally, I don't see how it can hurt him. Every rookie is going to struggle, and he might be the one that struggles the most out of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, possibly Will Levis, right? He might struggle the most, but it doesn't mean that his career is over in year one. So if if he's the leader that you talk about to the media, if he is – dedicated if he is willing to get better every year then starting him too early should not be an issue in in my opinion I'm just taking what Chris Ballard Shane Steichen what what they tell us about leadership his his determination that's how I look at it What, what what do you say I think you make a great point and I've said this over and over again and I will say it again if you can protect him then play him that would be my only thing is like if your offensive line which they haven't really retooled. I know they got Blake Freeland in the draft and he has some depth there, but I don't expect him to come in and be a starter. If he is, that's great for them because then he would really have to pop in camp. Right guard is still a big question mark for me. I'm like, what are you doing there? Are you going to get a veteran? Dalton Wisner hasn't been signed yet, to my knowledge, 
unless he changed like the last six hours or something like no, that. No, he's still out there. Right, he's still out there. But then I'm like, do you pay him? Because you already paid three guys already. You put a lot of money into the offensive line. Are you going to put more into it? And so for me, it just comes down to can you protect him? And really, the offensive line doesn't have to be great or fantastic or one of the best in the league. It just has to be competent and average, so to speak. I mean, as long as you're not putting him out there and he's getting teed off on like every quarterback was last year. Now, granted, he'll be more mobile. But I also think that even if he's more mobile, if you put him back there and the offensive line is constantly leaky, then it's going to deter his development because he's going to like his brain automatically is going to be trained to run. Yeah, is good. Exactly. And Landon, you study the film probably more than me. So I think that it just comes down to protecting him, yeah. making sure he doesn't get lit up. Yeah. Like, yeah, so I like, can't, can't have another Matt Pryor, right? But I mean, so yeah. I mean, you, Chris Ballard bet on these guys last season when we all were like, wait a second, they're young, they're inexperienced. And he was like, how do they get experience? They play. That's great. But you got to play well, too, if you're in that position. And so, Bernard Ryman's, you know, taking a step forward, especially at the end of last year. I thought he played better. Yeah. I still think you should bring some competition in for him at that left tackle spot just to keep him going. Because I think that that's what camp is for. You want to be able to push and really have a competition. I don't think they really had one last year. And so that's my biggest thing. Do not put him out there and God forbid he gets hurt. But even if he doesn't get hurt, just lose his confidence because he's constantly getting him off the field. And so um, we've seen it happen. And I think it's very rare that you can have a quarterback deal with pure like chaos and failure throughout your rookie season and you bounce back from that. Now, I'm not saying he's not mentally strong, but I'm just saying it's usually not a good recipe towards success later in your career. Like I do think that quarterbacks can sometimes be ruined by the situation, even if they were going to be pretty good somewhere else or if they had better infrastructure. So I really do think that Shane Steichen, Chris Ballard, the rest of the crew – will really think that over, like, okay, is this kid ready? I don't know if he's ever going to be ready. Like, who's ready for anything? Am I ready to be the lead coach reporter? Probably not, but I'm going to be doing it, and so we're going to learn together, Anthony Richardson. Um, QB1, I'm writer one, so there we go. But I do think that it's a big deal to make sure that he stays healthy, keep him upright. You do that, then you win. You deal with the picks, you deal with the missed throws, you deal with all those things, because there's going to be some flashes of greatness there, and I think there's going to be some progress, too. Yeah, that was always, like, my caveat, though, with, like, starting him early. It's not that I'm against starting him early or anything like that, but like you said, like, you can develop some bad habits if you get into those early. And not only that, but my whole thing was he needs to know the protection calls. Like, as soon as he's able to, like, recognize blitzes and protection calls, I'm throwing him out there. But mm -hmm. if he's struggling with that in camp and you're not able to set protections correctly, you're still learning the playbook, you're still learning all that, then, yeah, I'm probably going to bring him along a little bit more slowly than as opposed to, you know, just saying, like, well, I know you don't know this yet. I know you don't know this. Because there's some stuff that, like, he's just naturally going to be able to get away with that mm -hmm. other guys won't. But at the core value of playing quarterback is knowing those, you know, seeing that blitzer come off the edge and knowing, you know, you got to, you know, throw your hot, you know, if you, if you have a hot route, like it's just knowing like those little bitty things that can get you out of pressure and maybe not take as many hits. So as soon as he knows those and he shows in camp or, you know, through the process, even if it's just OTAs, like if he's catching on to protections, then yeah, I'm a hundred percent down with throwing him out there day one. Yeah. I think you made a very good point there, man. Just making sure he knows that part of it. He's not going to know the entire playbook right now. He joked about how, you know, big it is compared to Florida's. And um, that's expected for any quarterback going anywhere in the league. Obviously, what you do in college is not going to be what you do in the pros. They're better players, got to be more 
um, creative in that sense. And I do think that Shane Steichen will tailor this offense to him. Um, but my guess would be, I have to say right now, it will be week one, just because I do expect him to keep coming along for them to find a way to shore up the offensive line. And unless he's just, you know, terrible throughout camp, you know, terrible throughout the joint practice with the Chicago Bears, terrible in preseason, then, you know, I think that if he shows some ups and downs, that's to be expected. And um, you roll him out there. Because to me, when you talk about waiting, all the quarterbacks who've sat in recent years, since I've been watching football, they had like incumbent guys there who could win you some games and get you to the playoffs. You know, it wasn't like Aaron Rodgers sat behind, you know, a terrible quarterback or someone who isn't good. Um, and same thing with Patrick Mahomes. He did not sit behind a scrub. Um, and I think Gardner Minshew is actually really good. I think he was, to me, probably the best backup on the market this upcoming, this past offseason. But he is a career backup. That's his ceiling to me. Um, I don't think that he could be a fringe starter, I guess, on certain teams, win you a few games. But I don't think that you're really helping your team if you're just going out there and losing with Gardner Minshew. If you're going to lose, you might as well lose with the guy who's going to be here long term and you're hoping to develop into being the face of the franchise. I talked to Gardner Minshew, I believe, yesterday, and I asked him, I said, does your approach change? Because you know the guy that they brought in after you is supposed to be the guy. And he's like, no, like I'm, I'm here at work. And I do, I do think that he's going to be a good mentor when that time comes. So if it isn't week one, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, no later than maybe week five or six that he gets in there, gets some reps. Um, and I say that because, I mean, at that point, you know kind of where you're going, what the season looks like. You might have one or two wins. If Gardner Minshew, by some odd reason, is undefeated, then we can have that conversation <laughs> when it comes. But uh, I don't know. I feel like you all and maybe some other Colts fans, will be upset because seven or eight wins probably pushes you out of the, the Marvin Harrison Jr. sweepstakes. So there's that hey, too. <laughs> hey, hey, if Gardner Mitchell needs to start the first seven games and secure a draft pick for Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm for it. Let's go. Let's let, let's do it. <laughs> so, uh, Marcus, did you have anything to build on top of that? Oh, no, nah, I was definitely going to vouch for this Gardner Mitchell talk before he mentioned it, but it was perfect timing for me. Yeah, he can, he can ball, man. He's definitely the person that I wanted for a few years just as a backup quarterback in general, not a starter. The fact that we got him and a guy that he trains with, with Shane Steichen, that he's familiar in the offense already, I think it's a perfect match. No, we're not screaming Super Bowl. We're screaming development. And I think this is a good step for Gardner Minshew, Shane Steichen, and Anthony Richardson moving forward in the season. I think it's just a good process to go through as a Colts fan. Yeah, hey. man, you put your eyes. Gardner Minshew, he's like a light-skinned Anthony Richardson, so – there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gardner Mitchell plays well against the Colts, but he won't be playing against them. He'll be playing for them. So, hey, so th weirder things have happened, right? Gardner Mitchell beat Indianapolis, and it was the only game Jacksonville won that year. Isn't that crazy? So, yeah, I mean, there, there's been some weird energy around the team in certain matchups, obviously being in Jacksonville on the road, um, the Gardner Minshew game, also with – them not being able to beat Houston last year and still having that weird streak where they haven't won a season opener since 2013, but they also haven't lost everyone since then because of the tie last season. So even as a writer, you got to remember like the weird stuff. I'm like, you know, part of me, I love Frank Reich. I thought he was a great human being, but now that he's gone, like I don't have to put the extra one on the record anymore. Like little stuff like that that you have to remember is like, man, there's been some weird, you know, just things that have happened for this franchise 
none other than Andrew, you know, uh, Luck walking away from football. So if they hit on this, I think that they kind of feel like they've been vindicated from, uh, you know, a lot of things that have just not gone their way. We just have to bring up Andrew Luck, man. I'm sorry. Don't, don't break the hearts, man. We we don't do that. I mean, I've done it a couple times. So I don't I think anybody's like really that hurt anymore. I mean, if anybody's hurt, it's probably the commanders because of them doing what everyone in Indianapolis already knew was ridiculous. And hey, man, look over, look over my shoulder right here. <laughs> I'm hurt. I'm still hurt. I mean, I get it, but I was like, what? You did what? And so yeah, yeah, yeah. that team, that franchise, another podcast, another day. But um hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if we need to go through a sorrow show and just let our emotions out, get some get some alcohol and get some fatty food. Let's talk about our feelings. But you mentioned about, you know, how their struggles in the early part of the season. That makes a good segue to get into the schedule here because their week one game is going to be at home against Jacksonville. I assume those tickets are going to be sold out pretty soon. I assume if they're not already. Uh, because obviously it's week one. You're probably gonna possibly gonna see Anthony Richardson. Versus Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. Jane Steichen versus Doug Peterson, two former Eagles coaches, and two who appeared in a Super Bowl. One of them won one. So I need to get your thoughts on this schedule because just like last year, it put the Colts a little bit in a bind. This year is kind of the same thing. Four AFC South games in the first six. So yeah. out of the gate, you got to do some winning if, of course, and Chris Ballard is going to come out in training camp, be politically correct. We want to compete. We want to win. That's our job. But you got to do it early and often. What, what are your thoughts about the NFL once again getting the Colts in AFC South hell early in the season? Yeah, I found that pretty unique. I think that that obviously – puts a lot of weight and pressure on you to come out as a new coach, as a new quarterback and perform. But to me, the game that I look at the most for them to win is at Houston in week two. Like if you don't beat the Jaguars, I get it. They're a playoff team. They seem like they made a jump. They got Calvin Ridley over there. Now it seems like it is their division for the foreseeable future until potentially, you know, AR is ready or she just drives someone else. So to me, you just can't go down to Houston and lay another egg get embarrassed. I mean, because to me, even with the additions they made, the coaching change, they're still a worse team on paper than the Colts. And so you got to go down there. You still got JT. You still got Buck Grove. You still got guys who are really good players. And so I expect them to go down there and take care of business, quite frankly, like they didn't do last year. Now, you go to the Ravens week three, that's a game where I think that the narrative is going to be, are you looking at the future? Like, are you going to see what you hope to get with the guy you got on your sideline versus the guy they got on their sideline? So that'll be exciting, especially with all of the, you know, uh, Lamar to Indy rumors that were happening over the summer. And really, Indianapolis being the only team that came out and said they weren't fully against, you know, considering this guy, which I respect so much because the other franchises, some of them were full of crap. I was thinking, I was like, yeah, I, there's a reason why you don't want to pursue him. It isn't money. It isn't, you know, picks or it isn't. Just say you don't want to. What is money? It's guaranteed money. Just say that instead of saying, you know, we like our guys or something when you're the commanders or the Falcons. When it's like the guy you have is nowhere near a franchise quarterback. So let's, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. So to me, do those first three weeks. Texans week two, circle that one. Got to get a win there, in my opinion. The Rams is kind of a toss up. You know, they're not a good team. But um, I think that Shane... I mean, sorry, not Shane. Uh, Sean McVay is a, obviously a super winning coach. 
Aaron Donald's still over there to my knowledge. He, you know, usually tends to make his presence felt. Um, and then that'll be a test for your offensive line is like, can you, you know, keep that guy and others at bay? And so it is front loaded. But to me, if you can get a win at Tennessee, I mean, sometimes not at Tennessee, at uh, Houston week two, maybe get a split against the Titans or the Rams and get two wins through your first four or five weeks. That's a decent start to me, considering so much change that you had in the offseason and where the other teams are at. Like the Titans are on the decline. Um, the Rams have, you know, basically cashed in their future for a Super Bowl and sold their souls for it. Don't blame them because winning is hard. And I guess you got to suck it up now when you're losing. But after that, I think it'll be, uh, you know, sort of just getting a barometer of where the team is at, who's progressing, what, you know, teams are looking at as far as. Um, other positions on the team as well. So I know we're going to look at AR a lot if he's playing, but then also what does your back line defense look like? You know, the secondary Juju Prince, others will, I'm sure we'll talk about how do they look? Cause they're, there's going to be young in a lot of positions. And so, um, you know, even Will Mallory, does he get a chance to, you know, show some things, Jelani Woods going into his second season. I'm very excited about Jelani Woods. I know we, he's not like priority one right now, but I'm like, man, Jelani Woods with Shane Steichen, Hmm, like that is very intriguing. And so things like that, if you're able to see some progress just individually as a group and you're able to at least get one or two wins where you're not just bottoming out and getting embarrassed, hey, that's what you want to see as a Colts fan, um, as the franchise. Maybe not a bunch of wins, but at least some progress in the right direction. Yeah, like for me, it's not really like whenever I look at how this season's going to go, like, and I think we all kind of knew the direction this team was heading in, especially to like now that I believe Nick Falls was, you know, released and all that, I think they might have the youngest roster in the NFL. Like it's like that average age is like 23, like 24 years old, which is just wild. Um, so, I mean, you're clearly like, you're in a new guard and all that, but it's not like about wins and losses like this year. Like, I mean, I mean, like, I know like that's a harder sell to guys like Buck who's turning 30, Yeah, you, you know, like your, your vets that are still there and all that, but, and you never want to come out and just say like, Hey, like, you know, this year is just kind of whatever. Cause every year, like you are trying to win. That's just, that's the nature of it. Mm-hmm. But it's more about like, as a, from a fan perspective and something like that, you're looking more for like, okay, our guys, is it, is it week 14? You know, these guys making the same mistakes they were making in week four. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you want answers to those questions. So regardless of what the win-loss record might look like, because people also don't really think about, you know, just the a- everyday average fan, how hard it is to win football games in the NFL. I mean, we've seen it over multiple years now with the Colts. I mean, you you miss an extra extra point. You miss a kick. I mean, like, and, and like just blowing one of those games where say you got a kicker that misses a kick. That can keep you out of the playoffs. That's the difference between nine. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call 
Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Wins and missing the playoffs and 10 wins and going to, you know, being in the playoffs. So it's hard to win a football game. So while you're going through this process, you just really want to look at more growth from those younger guys, like you mentioned. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, as we all witnessed last year, is just continuity. Can you have the same guys out there and the same voices coaching you and things like that? Because there's so many changes that at one point, and I believe this really happened after the Jeff Saturday hire. And then when the losing streak started to kick in, it was like, how can you still stay together when the guys you started this with aren't here, when guys are getting hurt, when, you know, the quarterback keeps changing, the offensive line keeps changing. So if you can, obviously injuries and stuff will kind of pop up because it's football. Somebody gets hurt every week, unfortunately. But to your point, Landon, if you can have the continuity, see the progression, see the growth, I think that is huge. And then there's going to be some weird game where they win when they're not supposed to or something like that. And then vice versa, they might lose when they're they're supposed to win or they blow a late lead or something. So that's one thing I do like about the NFL is that there is still enough parity week to week you know, it doesn't really matter who you're playing, that you can get up for a game, play well, and then what does that do for your locker room? Like, I'm very excited to see what happens, you know, when and if Anthony Richardson makes that play for them to win or has a good game and, they, and they're able to win, you know, something that might have been on paper, like, oh, they're going to lose. Well, maybe they go out and do well. Now, I will say this. We go over to Germany. I do not expect to see a Colts win because if AR is playing, Bill Belichick will make sure to give him hell. Like every rookie young quarterback, it's like a rite of passage, right? It's like a video game. Like one of your final bosses is Bill Belichick. But, um, you know, that's that's who you got to see. So I don't expect that. But I do think that they were in a lot of games last year. And if you're in a lot of games this year and you just don't blow them like you did, you'll be okay. Now, there are going to be some close losses because that's what happens. But, again, I would be shocked if we see, like, we, we just can't see what happened in Dallas again. What happened in Minnesota again, like those types of performances where you're in it and then the rope gets let go and you're like, wow, what the heck is going on? And so um, we'll see. I'm excited about it just because there are so many moving parts to it um, and a lot of guys who will play a role in it. I think that Michael Pittman Jr. will help a lot. I think Josh Downs will be huge to whichever quarterback is back there because that dude seems like he can just get open in a phone booth. And so if that's the case, you know, that helps with completions and rhythm throws and feeling comfortable and things like that. So I can't wait. Like, I think we're crazy because all three of us are probably, like, relieved when last season ended. And then maybe a week went by and we're like, all right, look at the draft. We're at the senior bowl. We're like, okay, we're diving into every single player we can. Draft happens. Now we're diving into every player they drafted. And now we're, like, diving into undrafted guys. And so it never ends. And so I'm ready to see something in the form of football again. And even like the little taste that we got of like 11 on 11, obviously you're not hitting any quarterbacks at rookie minicamp. I was like, man, I, I just can't wait until we see some results. I, I don't know if I'll track every Anthony Richardson throw during training camp like some people do, but um, I know for a fact that preseason game when he goes in is going to be must-see TV and it's going to be hyperbole. He's going to be great. He's going to be terrible. It's going to be all those things, but – um, I think it'll be crucial to his development. Yeah, you always want to look at Anthony Richardson, but you, as a writer, you have like 70 other players you have to look at and yeah. see who who's making a difference on the field. So especially with the Colts, they like to 
keep undrafted free agents on the final 53-man roster. So, I mean, a guy I like is Kelvin Sampson, you know, the kid out of Kansas. I like that one to potentially be one. But going back to, to the schedule, man, that, that week two, I was hoping it would be week one, but week two, I'll take it. Anthony Richardson, I hope, I, I hope they just start this kid. Anthony Richardson versus CJ Stroud, week one. You assume Houston's going to be more upbeat because they have a new quarterback, they have a new edge rusher, a new head coach, it's a new culture, a new environment. So you you imagine that this is going to be a different atmosphere than when Indy walked into Houston last year in week one. Absolutely, and I think that it's going to be on their minds what happened last year. I'll never forget walking around the locker room after my first NFL game I've ever covered, ending in a tie. I was thinking, this doesn't even happen. I was doing like high school soccer. Usually got a penalty shootout or something. Somebody wins at the end of the day. And so I remember EJ Speed telling me, this is some BS. And he didn't say it like that. He he told me the real version. And so uh, I think that's going to be on their minds. And again, if you're a veteran, a proven guy, you want to make sure that you show some pride in, in those types of games. Now, if you come up short, so be it. But I think that that's one of those games where if you're saying you're making progress, if you're saying it's a new year, you got to win. Like you can't be winless against Houston two straight years. You can't be winless against Tennessee two straight years. You know, a team that unlike last year, isn't as strong this year going into it. And so those are the things that I'm looking for. And so I'm excited about it. I think that, you know, Alec Pierce, if he can make a jump, you know, going into year two and not get concussed in his first game, that would help, you know, just things like that where you might feel like there's unfinished business. Like I'm sure Alec was thinking about, man, I'll drop my first touchdown there. If I get that same opportunity again, I want to capitalize on that and things of that nature. If you see that, then you're good and you're able to, in my opinion, probably pull out a win because it, even if it's a closed game, you got a kicker now as well who's money. And that should give you a lot of, you know, uh, uh, peace and, and, and relieve a lot of stress and headaches off of you right there. So I just think that they have enough there to still be a competitive team with a lot of teams in the league, not just the bad ones, and then beat the bad ones. Because I think that they're going to be in that five to seven win range and in some probably closer games than that as far as just overall you know, uh, performance. So you talked about the kicker and how he's money. And, and real quick, we'll get to your record prediction uh, here in a second. But speaking of money, there might be an extension brewing here in the next couple of months. Jonathan Taylor has been reported. I believe it was Stephen Holder that reported it, that he's switching agents. Is that correct? He's switching agents. So, you know, he, he's always been professional. Oh, I'm focused on football, not focused on all that stuff. But this is this is speaking pretty loud. We, of course, we all probably have an identical opinion about paying running backs, but you, James Boyd, if you were the GM, you doing it? Yeah, I think you pay him. I think that if you can do three years, 45, that's, that's good where I would be around. Um, you don't want to overpay, obviously. I think that last season kind of actually hurts his leverage because he was injured, but everyone knows, you know, if you don't have any fluke, you know, ankle things going on this year. He's going to be back to being one of the best running backs in the league. But you have to pay him. I think that you can't draft Anthony Richardson and have the potential to pair him with 
you know, another great athlete and not see that through. Because I was even pondering this in the media room, and you guys can share your thoughts. There is going to be some times throughout the season when they line up and you could say those two guys are the best athletes on the field. That matters. And so if you can keep that together and develop that, um, within reason, obviously, you can't give the guy $60 million or whatever for three years and pay him like he's a wide receiver or something like that. But if you can, you know, not disrespect him with an offer, give him something that's very fair for the team, for him, I think you do it because even with the injury-riddled year last year, JT's still, like, the fourth leading rusher since he's been in the league. He scores at a high rate as far as touchdowns go. And, um, you know, if he's able to bounce back and be durable, then you're – cooking with gas in my opinion because he's a special player and I don't think that I get it it's a discounted position now it's kind of not the sexy position anymore there isn't the Ladanian Tomlinson's you know uh contracts and and things like that out there but um he is just too good in my opinion to let walk or to let be disgruntled you trust him give him a chance and then I go back to what Mike Chappell said to us in the media room, and Chappell's been covering the team since they moved here in 84. And he said JT had the best running back season ever for the franchise, for a franchise that has had, you know, Dickerson and um, Edron James. Marshall Falk, too. Yeah, exactly. And so if you're saying that, you got to keep them within reason. Don't, you know, break the bank, but. Chris Ballard, man, you know, you got to got to go into the savings a little bit. Right. Landon, Marcus, what, you, what are your thoughts on a upcoming extension pending? Yeah. Uh, well, one, like this is where having a quarterback on a rookie deal, like this is where you benefit from is because you are able to pay impact players at like maybe positions that you don't normally pay whenever, you know, your quarterback's making 40, 50 million dollars a year. But you know, that's not that's not the case right now. So I think the more impactful people you can have around him that can help him kind of grow and make his life easier while you have him on a rookie deal. Like, I mean, it's just it's hard to let those guys walk out the door. And like James was saying, man, like there's there's going to be times whenever they line up in the backfield. And I would say like majority of the time they line up in the backfield, even like those two dudes, man, like they're going to scare defenses to death because it's either like, OK, you load eight, nine guys in the box or, and even then, I mean, they still might get theirs, but then like Richardson is just such a, like he's such a special arm talent as well. Like you give Pittman or Alec Pierce or like Josh Downs or like who Jelani Woods one-on-one with a safety or anything, or Like AP can take you deep at any moment. Like it's just like a pick your poison type of thing. And like, you really lose something that, could make this team special if you do decide to let Jonathan Taylor walk away for nothing or, you know, whatever that may be. Yeah. I see one of the comments brings up Pittman's extension, his discussions. I think he's a bit trickier because of the position, the value of the position. I do think you have to overpay for our receivers nowadays and you've seen it go both ways, right? Where you might overpay for a guy and it's like, man, we kind of regret giving that money out. But then you see it with the Jaguars where, Maybe they overpaid for Christian Kirk, but you didn't because it was a reason why you were able to win some games and get to the playoffs and win a playoff game. And so uh, I think he's a bit trickier. And I thought that it was interesting when 
and I forget when exactly this happened, what we were asking about, you know, him. And I believe it was right at the end of the season. Asked Chris Ballard, hey, is he number one? And starts going through the whole, ah, what's the number one? And I'm like, he's not number one then. Because if you ask about certain guys, and even, like, let's take Jamar Chase, let's take Devontae Adams, let's take mm-hmm. Stephon like out of the, like the top, top guys. But there are certain guys you still would think, like Terry McLaurin, who's number one. He might not be, you know, first team all pro or something, but he's a number one. And if you can't say that about Michael Pittman Jr., do you pay him as a number one? And does he, you know, as a wide receiver who's been through so many turnover, so much turnover at quarterback, does he think I'm going to hitch my wagon to this guy or can I test free agency and see what my value is and, you know, create my own destiny Mm -hmm. and go somewhere where I know who's going to throw me the ball, who's going to get me the ball and make me a better player. And so, that to me is the, the harder one to gauge because it's hard to even it's hard to even gauge in fairness to him how good he can be because there's been so much change. And so um I'm excited to see what he looks like in this offense. Um the steps he's taking to get better, but I'm not so sure about him as I am with JT. I think JT's a no-brainer. I think that Pittman is too, but at the right price point, it's like if this guy says, Hey, pay me, you know, I want. $23 million a year. I don't know if you give it to him. So those are the things where I'm like, I'm glad I'm not the GM because, um, and I guess to his point, you know, Pittman mentioned, I'll give it all to my agent because, you know, you don't want to be in that type of situation where they're telling you your value and you feel like your value is higher than that. Uh-huh. And so um, that to me was what made the Lamar Jackson thing so contentious. And finally they ended it. It's like, you're going there with no agent. They're telling you to your face, oh, no, we're not paying you that. You're not worth that. That's things a little bit different than if your agent tells you, hey, here's our options, you know, rather yeah. than telling me, oh, no, they shot that down. No, they can come back to you, kind of smooth it over a little bit. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with how much he believes in Shane Steichen, Anthony Richardson, and just his ability to grow with those two. Marcus, your thoughts on the extensions? Oh, yeah. this I think all of these things is just transparent. Well, just leak into the season for the Colts to be a storytelling season it's not mostly about if we're going to make the playoffs and that it's mostly on how these players are going to feel you know comfortable going into next season can they stay with this team move forward we mentioned Jonathan Taylor contract extension I think he's going to uh, get extended for sure I think he's a guy you have to have on this offense Michael Pittman Jr this could be a big year for him because he knows what's at stake regarding his contract in the future for the Colts now that you have a quarterback does that change his vision of what he want to do for himself personally I think, you know, we mentioned the dynamic duo of Anthony Richardson and Jonathan Taylor. It could be a lot of busted coverages moving forward that could explode Michael Pittman Jr. seasons and having a big year, him or Alec Pierce or even Jelani Woods, like we mentioned. So I think all of these things play intact for all of these guys. Uh, I'm mostly looking forward to, you know, the development. I, I'm not I'm not screaming the division. I'm not screaming playoffs. I just want to see how these guys are going to play. I'm, I'm kind of numb at the moment. Uh, I'm expecting a slow start, but a good finish, and that's how I want to see it. But I'm look, I'm mostly looking for guys like Jonathan Taylor. How can he recover from his injuries? Michael Pittman Jr. bounced back from last season. Alec Pierce, like you mentioned, James. I'm looking forward to seeing Sha- uh, Shaquille Lynn and how he's going to recover from his injuries. He's, is he going to be 100%? So that's mostly what I'm looking for uh, for this year. But I do think Taylor gets extended, and I'm, I hopefully Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. can have a good year for sure. I think I'm with- Four games. There's four games that Jim Irsay is yelling about. I'm I'm 100. 
That's when the season opener. He's gonna say that every year, and he should as an owner. Like you never want to start the year on a right. bad note. Season opener. Whenever they go to Jacksonville, because there's boogeyman, you know, down there, and then also just Tennessee, because I feel like it really irks him when they lose to Tennessee. Because honestly, Tennessee doesn't dominate; they just bully them every single time. And so you want to go out there this season and not get bullied into submission by a team that, to me, is not that good going into this year. So if that happens again, I guarantee you that uh, Mr. Ursay will not be very happy about that. <laughs> Hey, I'm I'm gonna agree with, with with all you guys. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, yes, extend him. I I I appreciate what he does. I wouldn't overpay, like James said. I'm just adding this in here: the lack of third down production versus an Alvin Kamara who can give you 90 receiving yards a game. You know that that's why I want to keep the number a little bit low. Just stay a, a downhill runner. Go put somebody on their ass and and run past everybody and go get you 120 yards a game. Like go do that stuff. When it comes to Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, he, I think he's going to get extended. He's got a really good agent, man. He's got a really good agent, part of a really good agency. So w- with him, if I'm Michael Pittman Jr., I'm also telling my agent, hey, I need an extra $5 million for, for the pain, suffering, and frustration of the last two years because this is unfair. Like, this is completely unfair. I, I, I don't think it would be fair for Chris Ballard to go to his agent and say, well, I just don't know. Well, you don't know because of your inability to get your crap figured out the last three years. I mean, Phillip Rivers was one thing. You could understand that rookie year. But then Carson Wentz failed. You know, you you didn't go with your gut and didn't go get Justin Fields, start completely over fresh. You went with Carson Wentz, stuck it out with Frank Reich. Then you go get Matt Ryan. And, hey, I, I was on the Matt Ryan train before anybody. I looked just as sorry as Chris Ballard does, okay, if not worse. So, well, not if not worse. I'm not the GM. But it's all bad. So you can't really grade Michael Pittman because you can't really run your offense the way you want when Matt Ryan was your quarterback, when Matt Pryor was playing out of position in three different spots and performing horribly at it, by the way. So you can't really garner a real, really through these first three years, you can't even get a true indication on who Michael Pittman is yet. I've been on it since day one. This kid reminds me of Reggie Wayne, just a bigger, stronger version of him. And what do you know? His coach is Reggie Wayne. So like just the route running, the hands, he grew up in this league. His dad is a former player. He grew up in this league. He knows how to handle himself, how to carry himself, all business. You know, he's not like other guys who are on TikTok and YouTube all the time. When it's football, it's down to business. It's time to get to work. On the offseason, all right, let's go on Michael Ke- and Kiana's YouTube channel and let's start doing fun stuff, right? So I'm with it. Now that all of that is covered, okay, James, before we get you out of here, man, record predictions for this one. Record predictions for this one. I know, you know, I went with what, – what, what did I go with? Six and 11, seven and 10 last year. I did, I'm not touching eight wins. Uh, Landon, you went with how much last week? Seven. Seven. Marcus? Seven. Okay. James, can you get us to five? I said five and 12 when I did my prediction for the athletic. I think that they're probably going to finish third in the division. I don't trust them against the Titans. (laughs) (laughs) It's just hard for me to do. So I got, you know, it's like, you know, when you learn to do something for the first time, it's like, I got to see it happen, man. I got to see this happen um, for the first time. And if that is the case, then obviously I think that their wins would jump a little bit because you're able to knock off the Titans. That's one win. If you split Houston, I think you should really be twice. But if you split that, that's another win right there. 
And I think that, you know, there's going to be some opportunities later on in the season where you can pick up some wins against teams that, quite frankly, weren't that good last year and you can maybe sneak up on. Or And then there's going to be that weird game where, like last year, you play the Super Bowl champ and beat them, and then you beat Super Bowl runner – or not beat Super Bowl runner-up, but you play them really tight. So um, five wins is where I'm at. Um, I didn't expect a winning record at all. I don't think they're going to go nine and eight. Um, seven would be cool. And I think that for me, I just don't want to walk into any locker rooms <laughs> where <laughs> it, it ended lo- like as bad as possible. Like the, the Jacksonville locker room afterwards was rough at Jacksonville. I was like, wow, this went scoreless. Like when you can say you scored as many points as me and I don't play, that's pretty crazy. Like that's, that's a rough locker room to be in. Yep. Same thing with uh, – he's cracking up. I was serious, man. Like, that was rough. And then, uh, like, at Minnesota, like oh. – because even last year, you win a couple of those games, those tight games. You hit a field goal, you know, at Houston. You close it out at Minnesota, and you got seven wins. And so, um, you know, I just expect that the defense really is not going to be as good as it was last year. Mm-hmm. You did get rid of Gilmore, who won you three out of the four games you did get – you know, you did win. He he kept. He's the sole reason we didn't get Bryce Young. He's the sole reason we didn't have the number one pick. Well, that too. But I mean, you got to give some love to Lovey Smith, right? I guess he he figured it out at the end. And yeah, yeah. Little finger to his. Well, uh, give some out. give some love to Rodney Thomas for mistiming the interception jump. Yeah, and and real thing, I want to touch on this too. I'm glad you brought that up. One thing that you know we joke about it on here, but one thing that I really appreciate about what I do is you see the level of care. And it wasn't the same when I was in the NBA because there's 82 games. And so if you lose three or four in a row, it's like, okay, we'll, we'll get back on track. We'll figure it out. You're never really too low after a loss, but he was crushed after that. And I get it big picture wise Colts fans are rejoicing, but it lets you know how much these guys really do care about what they put out there and how they go about their business. And so I think that experience is actually going to make him better going into this season. Cause I talked to him, Caught up with him at an event that Kenny Moore had for foster kids at the Children's Museum here in Indy. And um, didn't talk about that play, obviously, but I was like, hey, how's your offseason going? Things like that. He's excited. He's expecting a big year. Obviously, he's on paper on the depth chart, the starter at safety. And so I'm excited for him, excited for all the guys. But I do expect the defense to take a step back, not be as good as they were last year. But, again, if you just have some continuity, you know, make a few field goals, I could see five wins. Less than that, then I'm, I'm questioning, like, okay, what's going on? Now, if it's some close losses or whatever, it's like, eh, not too big of a deal. But if you're just going out there and getting embarrassed, then I'm going to have serious questions about what the heck we're doing because um, as a reporter of a team, I'll be there to document all of it, you know, and as much as I don't harp on the negative, you do have to own some of that if it doesn't go well. So um, we'll see. But Shane Sykin strikes me as someone who – you know, if, if they lose games, when they lose games, it won't be because they're not prepared or they're just incompetent or they do something ridiculously dumb and yep. blow a game. It'll just be because they're overmatched or something like that. So, um, and I'm interested to see as well if he stays in the role of being the play caller because we haven't really seen that continue in today's league. Usually, when they be when the offensive guys, those gurus, become head coaches. They relinquish those roles. He's set on being the play caller. So I'm curious to see if he sticks with that throughout the entirety of the season, or does he get to a point where he's like, okay, I can't do all these things. Because as much as we talk about it being new for AR, it's new for him as well. 
I, I hope he just passes it down to Jim Bob Cooter. I, I really do. Just just be the CEO. Sit back. You hired these guys for a reason. Let them do their job. And if they don't, hey, you got evaluations at the end of the year. Uh, one thing that I'm going to be really looking closely, I know everybody wants to look at AR. I'm going to be locked in on Julian Blackman and Rodney Thomas. That duo right there, I'm excited for that one. Rodney Thomas ain't afraid to come down and put his head through your damn stomach. That's, that's one thing he's not able to do. And Julian Blackman shoots out like a rocket. We all remember that tackle on Derrick Henry going to the left side of the field, just shooting out like a rocket. So that's one thing I'll be looking forward to. But James, man, we got to thank you for coming on to the show, man. We got, we're going to go ahead and let you go. We know you're a busy man nowadays, whether you got to go break some ankles on the court or put pen to paper. Uh, but before we go, man, where can people find your work in all of its variety? You can check out my work at Romeoville.com. Sorry, not .com. Romeoville Kid at uh, Twitter. I'm sorry. A lot of things going on in my mind, I guess, at theathletic.com for my work. And um, I got a story up actually today about Jamal Woods, undrafted rookie who got signed up to rookie minicamp. Went to Illinois. I went to school with him. Got a pretty incredible story. It was a fun story to write. Something that kind of under the radar. I got some other stuff off my sleeve that I'm excited about. Like I said, I'll have a story on AR, his approach, um, what I'm seeing from him so far. Something different. I think it's got a little more flavor than the typical you know, um, just is he boom or bust type of thing. I think it's more of a human type of thing. And I'm, that's what I'm kind of hitting at as well. So I'm excited about it. And then obviously we didn't touch on it too much in this podcast, but I mean, Josh Downs, Adi Tamawa, Adabare, you know, Darius Russ. There's a lot of exciting things to be um, geared up about with this team, this franchise. And I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunities to look at this entire season from so many different angles, from coaching staff to ownership to general manager. What does it look like for Chris Dowd through his eyes? And things like that. So, thanks for having me on. I'm gonna keep uh, grinding. No hooping. Spray my toe last <laughs> week. I had turf toe, man. I messed up my freaking toe hooping last oh, week. So I'm out day to day, right now. So, um, what a see. hoop therapy, huh? <laughs> no, I had no physical therapy. I was, I was hurting after that. I was like, man, this, this is messed up. And you know how it is. Like, you don't feel it in the moment, but afterwards, it's like, oh man, I was looking bad. So, um, you know, I never disrespect anybody else who has turf toe out there. So that happens. <laughs> Hey, hey, thank you to James Rowe, everybody. There you go. <laughs> All right, I, I was about to say, my buddy could, became lead writer and already has his website already. Dang, oh, they, they no, 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 over no. there. <laughs> so the company, man, man, it's just like I said, a lot going on. Theathletic.com, at Romeoville Kid. I got some stuff I'm working on, and I'm very excited about and um, excited for the opportunity. And thanks to you all for having me on. And I kicked it with these guys on Alabama and hoping to see their faces again soon in person and just excited about what's to come. And I'll just tell you three and what you all are doing at Blue Stable is uh, keep doing it. I think that uh, there's always this notion that, you know, you're not real journalists or you're not. Th- nah, do your thing. Do it your way. We're in a space now where if you got a phone or a mic, you can do your own thing. I think you built a unique platform that adds to this Colts coverage, makes it fun, and uh, makes it exciting. Hey, and it also helped that we got really good – diversity in here especially with you along you're a really good presence on Colts Twitter you're outspoken and I love that I'm the same way uh you know you're never not afraid to speak your mind and we thank you for the diversity and the you know the the versatility that you bring obviously because you do great work so James man thank you for the kind words and I I have a feeling this is the first of very many that we're going to have you on this show 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, guys, he is James Boyd. He is Marcus. He is Landon. I am Michael. Thank you again. We will be back next week talking about more Colts football as we are gearing up for training camp where we OTAs. will be at this summer. OTAs, yes, summer workouts, and then mandatory mini camp, of course, being on June 13th through the 15th that is coming up. So guys, thank you again. Again, if you are not already, like and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure the best way you can grow this show is like, comment, anything below, guys. We thank you very much. And guys, go Colts. And again, it's Rodney Thomas and Julian Blackman season. Yeah, my bad. Real quick, we could keep getting this question about the Upper Quartile podcast. Uh, me and Bob Kravitz on doing our thing. Zach Kiefer is moving on to the national thing. But my goal, though, is to bring in more outside voices throughout the season. So hopefully I can get, you know, some players, some coaches, um, best friends, family members, things like that to just kind of give you all different perspectives rather than hearing me talk about the outcome of the game every week along with Bob Kravitz, who, you know, God bless him. We got to figure out this technology, man. That's my boy. <laughs> you know, he grew up in my age, my era. So I was going to say, he, he's, him and Chap are the OGs, man. They've been around a minute. Oh, man. They, they're the best, though. And I think that. Chap is one guy that uh, I always have respect for because he's he's been here. He's a legend. Doesn't act like a day in his life. But um, give that man his flowers for sure. And uh, subscribe to this podcast too, man. It's a good one. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy what you all do. It's fun. It's different. And I think that, again, you need that in the space that we're in. Absolutely, guys. Thank you again, James. Thank you again, man. We will talk with you again soon. And we're obviously, guys, we're going to have some more guests on the show here uh, coming up soon. We're going to have Kevin Bowen on, you know, that's a good friend of mine. We're going to have all kinds of players. We're going to try and get some players on the podcast as well. So thank you again, guys. We're gearing up towards 2023, and it's going to be a fun one. So once again, this is the Blue Stable. He is Landon. He is Marcus. Thank you to our special guest, James Boyd. I am Michael Pivia. Thank you again, and we will see you next week. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.